Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Hector Suarez and Leonora Varvudis from Cultivare coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He's a frequent traveler and a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Fijis Barbecue will open a second location in Spring Branch. As the Culture Map headline about this development read, they are branching out. Patrick uh, Patrick Fijis and his wife and co-owner Aaron Smith have selected a 5,000 square foot end cap space in a development on Long Point. Uh, they only signed the lease last week, so this is about a year away. But when the restaurant opens, it will be open for lunch and dinner which is a big step up from their current location in Greenway Plaza, which is only open for lunch and only open Monday through Friday, which is awesome if you work in Greenway Plaza and very inconvenient if you work anywhere else. Matt, let me throw it to you. I mean, I know that uh, we have had more than a couple of meals at Fiji's over the years. What do you think? Big, uh, is the right move for Patrick and Aaron? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's a single thing I don't like about this move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a big deal. They, they live in spring branch. So yep. just from that standpoint, I think it's, it's a logical fit. There isn't really barbecue, uh, at least of their quality in spring branch. So, or really in Memorial, I mean, there's, there's really nothing between Regal's barbecue on Voss until you get to Katie. So, you know, from that sense, the market's wide open. They have a fantastic product. I ranked it the 54th best restaurant in Houston, maybe a little bit underranked. It happens. It happens. But, uh, yeah, I think think this is going to be a good deal for everybody. Uh, Yes, uh, uh, spring... Branches close to my heart, former Valley Oaks Elementary student there at Westview and Bingle. Um, I it's just all around home run. Yeah, I think you're like me in the sense that I seem to know more and more people that are moving to Spring Branch. Seems like that neighborhood is changing pretty fast right now, and that a family friendly all day barbecue restaurant is like just what that neighborhood needs quality family friendly friendly absolutely easy for me to say and there's cool stuff coming to that so it's worth noting there's cool stuff coming to that shopping center slow pokes the coffee shop that's got a location in oak forest and Mm -hmm. another one uh an upper kirby just opened their location this week and then shoot the moon the the pizzeria and self-serve alcohol concept from Kevin Floyd of Underbelly Haymerchant fame is coming there later this year. No, it's another solid development. I mean, these guys at Braun are are really picking some some winners. Well, yeah, I, I talked to humble Dan, opinion. Yeah, 
Dan Braun, the owner of Braun Enterprises, I talked to him for the, he pointed out this is his fourth tenant from Greenway Plaza because he did Morningstar with David Buer that the first rice box above ground on 20th Street was sure. a Braun property. And then, of course, uh, he owns this very office building that we are standing in, and that's where Bergshawn is going. So, you know, certainly, um, you know. Respect. Yeah, certainly someone who, who appreciates, like, the value of independent restaurants. And, and I, you know, I don't, I don't ever talk, like, lease rates with people, but uh, I know Patrick and Aaron feel like they've got uh, a viable rate that, that will allow them to build a business. And, and so... You know, I think this is this is a win win. This is a win win win. They, Brian gets a great tenant for their shopping center. Patrick and Aaron get a location that they're really excited about, and the neighborhood gets a, a very good barbecue joint that that will do some kind of fun stuff too. I mean, uh, I didn't ask Aaron about this, but maybe you think you think she brings back the Plonk Burger, that, or, or uh, you think the Plonk Burger stays at Plonk? Uh, well, I think that I, I I feel like I did read something about burger, so I'm, I feel pretty good about a burger being on the menu maybe yeah. maybe as a special yeah they're gonna do some dinner stuff like dinner specials like fried chicken chicken fried steak that that like just music to my ears yeah all right uh any other observations about no, i i mean i not not to uh um belabor the point anymore but really it's uh and just scanning through social media it's been spreading like wildfire this morning. Yeah, I I had the feeling that this was going to be a big deal. People, um, they're very active in the community. People really like them. People in the in other restaurants really like them. And so, yeah, I knew that this was going to be a big deal. And it's nice to see how happy other people are for them. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's been exciting to watch them. Um, you know, take the first step there at, at uh, Greenway Plaza and have you know really good quality barbecue product out of a food court per se. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they both put in their, their dues and they're, I think young, talented, eager and right location. It's a winning combination. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on. Topic number two. We have an official location for home slice pizza, the Austin based New York style slice slinger has selected the former Sparrow slash Tafia space on Travis Street in Midtown for their, well, we'll call it their first Houston location. I don't know. It could be their only Houston location. We'll have to see how things go. Matt, you go to, you like pizza and you go to Austin on the regular. What do you think about Home Slice? Uh, I think it's a step up from the uh, other recent Austin pizza location. Um, but I'm not, I I, I don't know. Uh, I I don't, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm in the wait and see category. I mean, people in Austin really love this. We should say they have a location on South Congress that basically has a constant line out the door. I, I will say I was in Austin a couple of months ago and I figured, you know, what the hell? I might as well go have a couple slices knowing that it was coming here. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, like I maybe a little better than Romano's for me in that New York style slice kind of genre. Um, maybe not as good as my my beloved Pizarro's. I think that's fair. Um, the 
uh, and, and this certainly isn't a criticism because the there are very successful places from Austin that are here locally, but a lot of it is kind of the vibe to me. It's these large slices. They stay open late. It's it's not all the pizza. Well, I think in that sense, I think Midtown is a good fit for them. Sure. Because they can stay open late. 100%. And they'll have that bar crowd. They'll be right next to the Continental Club. Yep. I You know, I like it for all of those reasons. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know exactly where it's going to fit into our Houston pizza hierarchy, but I think generally more good pizza is a good thing. And, and I think, you know, like in Austin, Ramen Tatsuya is a sensation, right? There's, I think, three locations now, lines, whatever. In Montrose, it's like another pretty popular restaurant, right? Right. right. So I don't know that Home Slice is going to be a sensation, you know, much past its opening, but more good restaurants is a good thing. That's kind of where I'm at. No, I, it, you know, again, that there is a fit there. I, I mean, I see the fit for late night bar crowd and you know typically that's um you when i do go to austin i tend to be out later than i normally am when i'm in houston so i may frequent them more than i normally would but uh so it's certainly a a good addition absolutely all right let's move on topic number three texas monthly food editor pat sharp has revealed her 10 best new restaurants in the state for 2020. Three Houston restaurants make the top five. They are Squabble at number two, Davis Street at Herman Park at number three, and Mad at number five. Commodore from Austin takes number one. I want to come back to Commodore, but let me uh, let me start with this. Did Pat Sharp get it right? Are those the three best restaurants to open in Houston in the last 12 months? Uh, I'm not sure what the, um, if. Uh, December 1, 2018 to December 1, 2019. If, yeah, I, I'm assuming that 1751 should have been. Yeah, that, that struck me as the most obvious snub. She made Rosie Cannonball an honorable mention. Obviously, I called it the best new restaurant to open in Houston last year. But yeah, I, I think. I, I mean, I think this is, well, I, I wasn't quite sure how to, how to categorize Davis Street because it's, it closed and then it reopened and Mark Holly's there now. And it's so, in that sense, it's, it's totally new. I, I don't know. I probably, I probably wasn't entirely fair to Davis Street, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it is, uh, full disclosure here, it's, it's at the top of my uh, to visit list. Yeah, it's at the top of my to go back there list. Yes. So I yeah, I, seventeen fifty one is the one that that kind of stands out to me. I, um, not I, I can see the it's her it's her ranking, right? She's entitled to her opinion. She didn't. She's 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 a professional. Yeah, she's been doing this a long time. Uh, you know, props to props to Squabble, props to Davis Street, props to Mad. I I I will say, I was surprised. Well, no, I was not surprised to see Mad on Pat Sharp's list. I was surprised that Allison Cook did not include Matt on her list of the best new restaurants that came out a couple weeks ago. I just feel like, you know, hit or miss dishes, notwithstanding, like, it's so ambitious. Right. 
and such a statement about design and experience that, I mean, you just have to respect, like, even if you don't love like every single thing that you eat. And I think it's gotten better since it opened. I had a really good brunch there a couple months ago. Um, you just have to respect the ambition. There's not, there's no restaurant that looks or operates like that. Right. I mean, I, I see that. I think the, the other side of the coin too is on some level, the food has to stand up. And if, if you're not having, you know, you know, maybe you went on a day when it just quite didn't stand up. Um, so collectively those experiences can be a little bit different. Um, so I, I certainly, it, it's, it's a beautiful space and it's a lot of talented people over there. So I, I could see. Absolutely. Uh, and then let me just ask you, because in her, in her article, Pat compared Comedor in Austin to both Hugo Ortega's restaurants and Pujol, the Mexico City restaurant that is currently ranked 12th in the world. And I know that world's 50 best list has all kinds of problems with it, but whatever. When you're 12th in the world is 12th in the world. Is it 11 this year? I looked it up. I thought I saw it was 12th. Okay. I, I, if I, if I, I, did, I did specifically go to the website and look that up. Fair enough. Uh, I think it's 12. Anyway, Matt... You have been to Comedor, you have been to Hugo Ortega's restaurants, and you have been to Pujol more than once. Is that an apt comparison in your opinion? Uh, I think it is. It's interesting. Uh, I, I find uh, Hugo's, I think it takes a little bit from both. Um, uh, I find Hugo's really, to me, uh, it feels like it sticks more to the staples, and it really reads more like an interior Mexican restaurant. Uh, Puyol, although it is in Mexico City, is is a very forward-looking restaurant. Uh, it's very progressive. Um, obviously, very uh, native ingredients that they use really, really well in very inventive ways. Um, and it uh, actually, they, they're not even serving meat on the menu right now, which is one of the new... Ballsy. Yeah. Yeah, and Mexico City, that's um but when you're Enrico and Vera, you That's right. You do what you want. <laughs> uh and, and I feel like uh uh Commodore is is a little bit of both of those. So I think it, it, it really sticks to the the uh sources the right ingredients, uses them in an appropriate way, is very inventive with their flavors. But it's not necessarily in a way that reads to me as a kind of a staple. So, and I, I feel it, you know, know those guys uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've known Philip Spear. I don't know the other two guys. I've known Philip Spear for a long time. Sure. It's nice to see him find some, find a stable, like successful concept. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, watching them over the, the past almost year. I'm gonna say it's a year in April. Uh, I, I think you can see the the their their focus coming in. It reminded me a little bit of of Indigo the first time we went to Indigo. Like you you could see this was going to be something special, and just had to get a few things worked out and and uh, you know return visits to Indigo that you you could feel how those things had streamlined and and were all cylinders were working together so for a complete experience yeah and then just uh shout out to matt McAllister, dallas 
his uh, his restaurant Homewood is fourth on the list. Um, I never made it to FD thirty three, but he did a dinner at Fluff Bake Bar a long time ago that was pretty memorable. I mean, I know maybe I'll I'll, I'll bounce this off of Becky the next time I the next time she's on the show, but I know she thinks the world of him, and and I have not made it to Homewood. I think, but that's uh, very high on my list of Dallas restaurants. I I frequented uh, FT thirty three uh, several times. Seemed um, for a short period there. I was in Dallas quite a bit. Uh, actually went to a pop up dinner with uh, uh, or a guest chef dinner when when Philip Spear was there. Oh. cooking. little little bestie restaurant. Uh, yeah, crossover. Yeah, um, but the bigger takeaway uh, for this list was just that's that's a very strong showing for Houston. It is absolutely, and that's uh, I think that fits. Uh, I feel like it fits with with 2019, which to me is probably the strongest year in memory. Maybe, maybe 2012. You know, who am I to hard to top? Hard to top the same year of 2012. Who who am I to to split hairs? But yeah, so it, it was nice to see that being recognized outside of the city. Absolutely, and then and then we'll see. I mean, you know. It, you know, Pat had Indigo on her list last year, and then all these other publications kind of followed. Not her lead necessarily, but but recognized Indigo on their own. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see if Mad or Squabble or Rosie Cannonball kind of breaks through and gets that regional, national kind of recognition. Well, you know, it's always it's that that process is so opaque to me. Like, what causes these food writers to be like, oh, you know, this is better than anything I had in you know, Pittsburgh or Denver or Portland or, you know, that I can't pretend, but hopefully, right. It's always nice when the city gets recognized. Well, I, 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 this is, this is a big step forward. I think in that process. Yeah. However opaque it may or may not be. All right. And then, uh, just briefly, I want to talk about tasting collective. This is a new members only dining club. You pay either $99 a year. If you're one of the first 250 people, Otherwise, it's $165 a year, and you get access to six-course, $50 private dinners at local restaurants. They take place every two weeks or so. Right now, they have signed up Anita Jaisinghani from Pondicherry, William Wright from Helen, and Tony Castillo of Mastrantos for their first three. Um, I talked to the CEO of Tasting Collective, Nat Gelb. He said they have three solid months' worth of bookings lined up. Uh, more TBA. Matt, you like ambitious dining. You like tasting menus and private dinners. You think uh, you think you might buy a membership to the Tasting Collective? Uh, I'm not sure that I'll buy a, a membership, but that's not really a criticism of the concept. Um, I think it certainly has a a place, and particularly in in uh, City the size and the landscape of Houston. Yeah, this is their 12th city. You know, they're in New York and Chicago and the Bay Area and L.A. and Charlotte and Nashville. So, I mean, arguably, we were due. Uh, I immediately made the Dinner Lab comparison. They uh, probably some people remember that from uh, four or five years ago. Uh, Nat pointed out to me that the, the big difference is they are not trying to do dinners in unusual spaces no no crossfit gyms no office you know office tower lobbies just they take over a restaurant for a night they buy the place out they sell the tickets to their members 
restaurant keeps the money from the tickets. They make their money on the membership fees and they only have one employee there. So their, their overhead is much lower. They can keep the prices consistent. It's always going to be $50 for six courses. And, uh, and so hopefully it, it has a, a longer life than, than dinner lab, which wound up declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. No, that's clearly, I think of avoid some of those potholes from the dinner lab. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, I, I see it, uh, doing well. I don't know, you know, year two, three, four, but I think they'll have some success early and that's always a good thing. Absolutely. All right, Matt, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to what's Eric eating. Matt, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to talk to you about your favorite restaurants in Chinatown. As has been widely reported, the it, the restaurants in Chinatown, which is to say a roughly five-mile stretch of Bel Air Boulevard from Fondren in the east to Derry Ashford in the west that covers restaurants from China, Japan, Korea, Thailand. Vietnam. Vietnam. Definitely Vietnam. Uh Maybe a couple Malaysia. Yep. Uh, so Chinatown, a little bit of a misnomer, but it's it's a convenient colloquial shorthand. And that area is suffering from diminished crowds due to rumors about coronavirus. Uh, there are no reported cases of coronavirus in Houston. And I think the only person in Texas who has it is quarantined on a military base in San Antonio. So... There should not be worries about coronavirus. They are. Well. Well, I'm not a doctor, but I did say it a holiday in last night. <laughs> the authorities, people like State Representative Gene Wu and Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner, are telling us we don't have to worry about coronavirus. I am inclined to believe them. So the idea is that we need to encourage people to go to Chinatown because if people don't go to Chinatown, then these restaurants that we love may not last this period of diminished business. So I went to Chinatown on Sunday, did a little mini crawl. I started with a hot dog at Bingsu and Chung Chung Rice. Don't worry, Michael, I will spell that for you later. We will link to, I will link to their Instagram and the Culture Map article that accompanies this uh, this podcast uh, for a hot dog that was covered in that was battered in rice flour and then covered in crispy potatoes, and someone sent me a DM on Instagram and said, "How was it?" And I said, "It's a hot dog battered in rice flour and covered in crispy potatoes." I, I, I think, said. I think, I think the "how is it?" is answers itself just from the description. Uh, Matt, you went to you went to uh, Bing Su and. Uh, Chung Chun Rice Dog. What did you think? I very much enjoyed it. It, it read more as a corn dog to me. Yeah, it's a it's like a crispier corn dog. Yes. Uh, but, uh, it was delicious. There's like a little part of me that wishes it was like a beefier, like a Hebrew national dog. I think they have those. I saw a jumbo option. Okay. But could I get the jump? See, I couldn't tell from the menu if I could get the jumbo with the crispy potatoes. Because I, I wasn't interested in 
increased quantity if it meant giving up the crispy potatoes. I, I believe don't don't hold me to it, but I well first yes your your instincts are absolutely correct. Do not give up anything for the crispy potatoes. Um, but I believe they had a jumbo dog there. I, I got the regular being sued. Just I, I was tempted to get the spicy volcano, but I, first visit got to go with the classic. Yeah, did not get the spicy volcano, and did not get they they do a for for non meat eaters they do one that's just cheese. Okay. With your choice of cheese fillings, I think mozzarella or cheddar, uh, like an oversized mozzarella stick, that seems like that would be pretty compelling too. I, you have my attention. And it looks good on Instagram, right? You get the cheese pole. Right. That all the influencers love. All right. So then, and then I had the Bing, or I had the Bingsu, which is the Korean style shaved ice dessert. Uh, not as good as, as the one at Snowy Village, but like, again, there's a floor to that sort of thing. And it's, it's, even like the not better version is still pretty not bad. Right. Uh, I, I did not have the Bingsu. I had the soft serve, the true milk soft serve, and uh, was pretty happy. All right. Where uh, where else have you been in Chinatown recently that you want to recommend to the people? Uh, I, would, I mean, the first thing I would say is just go. Like, that's the most important thing. Worry less about where um, and, and just go. Uh, a couple of my favorites would include One Dragon, uh, Mian and Mian. There's a M E I N and M I A N. Oh, okay. I've only been to M E I N. So both of those. Uh, one is a more kind of M E I N is a traditional Cantonese space. Under yeah, the Mike, get that. Mike get Tran. that barbecue pork. Right, charshu pork. Uh, and M I A N is is a noodle house. So, um, but there's there's such a. Uh, quality restaurants out there yeah i went back to golden dim sum for the first time in a while recently sure. and I had the mayor of houston was there oh obviously when i say mayor of houston i mean chris shepherd <laughs> chris shepherd i know chris shepherd was at a different dumpling place i that he posted about on golden on his golden list. dumpling house right uh this was and this is golden dim sum west of the beltway apparently there's a new golden dim sum that's east of the beltway uh not far from the hot dog place um, so there's a little bit of confusion, but uh, I'm recommending the one west of the Beltway uh, for Shumai High Gao, you know, crispy beef puffs, sure, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, High Kang, Tian Ali. In fact, Arco in, Seafood. I mean, High Kang. Oh, you said High yes. Kang. Yeah, Confucius, Tan Tan. Right. The uh, it, there's so it if if people are unfamiliar um my instagram is at that guy houston please dm me i'm happy to make recommendations i'm happy to meet you for lunch or dinner as long as you seem normal it's <laughs> it's crawfish it's crawfish season so crawfish, crawfish and noodle, noodle wild cajun crawfish cafe uh, it's there's hot yes. pot shabu zone i really want to try shabu squared i've heard good things yes uh, oh, and then on my having had having had Bing Su, and then I went to Night Market Thai for a little larb, which looked delicious. It was the fantastic. They were like, "How?" They were like, "One to five. How spicy do you want it?" And I was like, four. And she's like, "Well, three is Asian spicy." I was like, three is probably enough for me." It was the right balance of like legitimate heat, but not like make me hate myself. Right. And then you know, 
to cool off the fire and to support another local business. I stopped at uh, Beard Papa's on the way at, at the Bel Air Food Street and got some cream puffs. But I, why wouldn't you? I mean, that I, there's so I I know people like every now and then people will be like, I don't think it's that good. I think they're so good. I think the the shoe is is nice and crispy. I like the texture of the filling. Flavor's good, and they're cheap. It's like I got six of them for twenty bucks. Like, what's not to like? Yes, I uh, had some some friends that went Saturday. Went to Mien M E I N. I'm sure people are now thoroughly confused. So I was trying to be less confusing, uh, and then uh, went to Beard Pop afterwards, and they said it was always fabulous. All right. But Matt, go. That's the takeaway. Right. Go to Chinatown. Uh, they need the support. It is some of Houston's uh, most consistently excellent restaurants, and especially for the price. I mean, you you eat, you feast for half less than what you would pay inside the loop for any, you know, for anything of similar quality. So, yeah, this is a community that needs our support. Now's the time to go out and eat in Chinatown. Correct. All right. Matt, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll be right back with Hector Suarez and Leonora Vardudas. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I am joined this week by Hector Suarez, chef de cuisine for Cultivare, and Leonora Vardudas, the sommelier and general manager. Let me introduce you separately so that people can hear your voices. Leonora, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Hector, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you for having me as well. Thanks for being here. Um, Leonor, I know you a little better, so let me start with you. When I when I met you, you were running State Fair for Lee Ellis. Oh, yowza, I was. Um, how did you get into the, the life of professional restaurants? Um, honestly, I needed a job when I was like 17, and my mom looked at me and was like, hey, if you want some money, go make some money. So on the morning of my 17th birthday, I went and interviewed at the Papados off 1960. And uh, 8 a.m., Dan Pierce hired me. And ever since then, it's just kind of been a rabbit hole. Worked at some farmer's markets and, you know, kind of traveled Europe. And I just kept digging and digging. And voila, 10 years later. <laughs> when did you, because uh, you went you went from State Fair to Starfish. How long have you been at Cultivare? So I will be completing two years at Cultivare um, in the next couple of couple of weeks, actually. So entering my third year. Awesome. Hector, how about you? When did you start cooking professionally? Um, I want to say I was in the age of like 14 or 15 years old, just kind of helping out around the house. Um, single mother, three kids. Definitely, it's, uh, it's hard. You know, me being first generation here in the States, you know, my uh, parents are Dominican. A lot of them come here to the States and really end up playing like baseball and like doing other things. I pursued to want to do the cooking career. And it was awesome. Did you grow up here in Houston? No, I did not grow up here in Houston. Where I, did you? Uh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from. <laughs> Go on, come on, let's do this. This, this is a, a long story because uh, I've been we, through most of the Northeast. Okay, uh, grew up in South Florida for the most part. Fort Lauderdale. I was born in the Bronx. How did you make your way to Houston? What was your last stop before you came to Houston? Honestly, my trip through to Houston has been through. I moved to New York to pursue that career of learning to be a great cook. You know, really wanted to hone in on the skill set of what it takes to be a chef. Um, and I learned that working for Mario Batali in New York, 
working for John George at Spice Market. I also felt that I'd miss my family in Florida because my mom lives in Florida. All right, so 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 let me so let me back you up just a little bit. You worked for Mario Batali. Is that is that when you discovered an interest in Italian food? Uh, I found a newfound interest for Italian food. I really didn't have much appreciation about it until I started working for Mario, which I really opened up Italian cuisine. How much did you know about Italian cuisine before you started working for him? Not very much. Okay. Not very much. <laughs> and then you worked for Jean Georges, arguably. Uh, one of the most acclaimed chefs in the world. What was that like? Uh, it was uh, it was massive. He has a large staff, more than I think I've ever seen in one particular kitchen. I mean, were you were you like peeling vegetables? What, what were you doing at, uh, at John George? I was working at the walk station, actually, very similar to a pasta station, actually. Okay, um, it's fun, but I gotta say, uh, I enjoyed more of the pasta. Okay, so then you worked in New York. You missed Florida, but you're in Houston. So how did you wind up in Houston? I want to see my backyard. Everybody goes to Europe and uh, wants to see France, wants to see Italy. I want to see the United States. There's a reason why my parents came here. You know, I want to see what that was all about. So I started my travels through New York, Florida. I... Stayed in Orlando for a little bit, Tampa, Atlanta. Uh, I was in New Orleans working with uh, Nina Compton. Okay. Um, I was the executive sous chef there at a Compella Pen. was one of the first hires. Been there from the very beginning yep. to where well, James Beard Award that she got. Right. We can year. say one of the best restaurants in New Orleans, which yeah. is a pretty good restaurant town. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It seemed like I'd accomplished a lot in New Orleans. I needed the next step. I wanted to move on and see another city and see the culture of Houston. It definitely brought me here. Okay, so how long have you been in Houston? I want to say about a year and a half. Okay. Did you did you go to Cultivari straight away? I did. Traitor. Uh, <laughs> I did go to Cultivari right away. I, I wanted to uh, work for Ryan Perra. Oh, um, so had you heard about the restaurant before you, yes. you came here? Okay. I definitely heard about Cultivari before coming here. And I wanted to work for uh, Ryan Perra. And Ryan Perra went to meet him, told me about this great um, restaurant opened up in East Downtown, Indianola. So I wanted to be part of that, be part of the agriculture uh, hospitality group. And um, he wanted me to come over and uh, be part of the Kotowari team, which is awesome. All right, let me, let me come back to you, Leonor. Let me, let me swing this back to you a little bit. You, you are kind of the gatekeeper as the general manager, I mean, my, my vision of this is that there's like Heights families with small children that like start lining up at about four 30 before the restaurant opens at five. Mm-hmm. And then the dining room basically stays full until about 10 30 at night when you close 11. You're definitely not wrong. Um, but that line is, I mean, it's pretty diverse. It's not just families and children. There's everybody. Yeah. I mean, what do you, do you have advice for people about kind of like when to go or how to how long they can typically expect to wait. I mean, like how does that how does that work? Well, the beauty about Cultivari is that you know, yes, we are always busy, and it has such a great hype about it. The food will always be stellar. The service is always stellar, and you're really coming there for the experience. And so, you know, part of the experience experience that we sell is that line out the door at four thirty. You know, you line up, you have your whole party. You want to, you know 
you want to um, come in and just see the entire restaurant fill up in five minutes and then see that line move into the garden and, you know, have, you know, have all your cocktails while you wait and look at our collard greens, look at our, you know, spring peas, whatever's in, um, in season at the moment. So um, the advice that I can get for you is just like buy into the hype. It's, it's really fun. It really is an experience and it's super beautiful. And I mean, it's, it's a great restaurant. Yeah. I mean, and even so like, like obviously no one should expect to get in at like seven o'clock on a Saturday night, but like, but like realistically, like what is the weight? What does the weight look like for people? Um, so our, I guess you could do our averages like an hour to an hour and a half. And so that will be any, like, that's adding Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And the best part about it is, yes, we're going to say, hey, it might be an hour to an hour and a half. And that's going to probably be the typical weight. But just go into the garden and enjoy it and grab a cocktail. And if you don't want to do that, then we say, hey, go to our sister restaurant, um, 8 Row Flint. Go explore the Heights. Go walk around. It's, you know, there's a reason the Heights is a historical neighborhood and it's gorgeous to look at and walk down the street have a hand roll yeah, like, exactly. you know chill for you know come back yeah all right um hector I, I assume you didn't start as the chef de cuisine no i did not how quickly did you kind of rise up like when did you how long had you been working there before ryan sort of came to you and was like i'm ready to trust my restaurant to you i want to say a year into me working at uh indianola oh you worked at in- i'm sorry you worked at indianola yes so you started at Cultivare. Started at Indianola. Oh, okay. Went, Got it. So, sorry to um, backtrack on this a little bit. So I first came to uh, Houston, and I wanted to work for Ryan Perra. Um <laughs> He didn't have a particular spot for me, but literally I just came in the back door just looking for a job. You know, just like, Chef, you're hiring. I'll, I'll do anything. Again, I'm just traveling to the West Coast, honestly. But going through my travels, Houston's one of those spots that, really stood out for me that I really wanted to be here and work for Ryan. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Like, I, I don't mean to be pushy, but like, I'm impressed that you had heard of Ryan and wanted to work for him. Yes, I did. What did you hear about Ryan that made that seem like the next, like having worked for all these other, like pretty famous people, very accomplished. What, what did you hear about Ryan that made you think like, this is the next logical thing for me to do? Very similar to the style of New York cooking that, uh, I'm used to. Okay. I, I miss that kind of coronary inspiration of definitely being seasonal, changing menu around very often. And I know a lot of people do that, but he has a garden in his backyard of the restaurant where a lot of the stuff that we use in-house is provided from there, you know? Right. So, all right. So you spent a year... Um Working at uh, working in Indianola with uh, Paul Lewis. Paul Lewis, yes, thank you. And then you, uh, and then he says to you, "All right, I, I need help at Cultivare, basically." Uh, not necessarily help. Okay. Uh, but I kind of been picking at it that I really wanted to be part of the Cultivare team. Okay. Why did you want to go to Cultivare? Because of what he was doing in, at Cultivare. Okay. That New York style. Small restaurant, high volume, authentic Italian cuisine with a little bit of the golf influence to it as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess by now, having worked in Atlanta and New Orleans, you have a pretty good sense of kind of Gulf Coast cooking. Yes. How do you... But I've never tied Italian and the golf together. Okay. 
It's so wonderful too. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you, where do you, where do you kind of, and Leonora, feel free to chime in on this, but like, where do you see kind of the connections between Gulf Coast and Italian food? Uh, a lot of Italian food is uh, coastal, you know, and uh, regional cuisines where, you know, the Gulf kind of plays that same role as well. Sure. And I mean, like, I love the product that we get is all Gulf Coast. I mean, that's what we pride ourselves in. But then we just do it in that old school, you know, Italian French cooking. Like Hector put out this amazing kind of like almost seafood risotto. But we used Carolina gold rice and made a risotto with it. And, you know, like seafood fume and, you know, Gulf white shrimp. And it's just it's 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 amazing because we can take that coastal. But we're just doing it out of the Gulf Coast. Well, and as a sommelier, like it's got to be fun for you because you never quite know what's going to like what's going to come out of the kitchen that you're going to have to figure out a pairing for. Oh my God. It's the best. And like my favorite thing to do is as they put out foods, I will just taste, I'll get wine. I'll put little bits in front of them and it's every single day. Hey chef, try this. Hey chef, try this. And then he talks about a dish he wants to put on the menu. I'm like, Oh man, do I have to you know, change my whole menu for this? Are we going to do a big spring reprint? But I mean, we work so closely together, Hector and I, every single day. I mean, even Ryan as well. And we're tasting together. We're making together. We're building menus, reprinting those menus daily. Again, buy into the hype cultivari. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and they make my job so much fun and so easy because not only are they putting great food out for me to be able to pair it with, but they also taste with me and then vice versa. Yeah. So what's it like, I guess, as the chef de cuisine, like how much freedom do you have, like, you can't you can't touch the pepperoni pizza. You can't touch the black pepper spaghetti. Like there's some there's some things that like like there would be rioting. Yeah. Like there would be protests. You can't change them. So so how do you put your spin on a menu when you know that like I mean there are dishes that people like people go there once a week and they get the same thing every time. Um I definitely like to put a spin on um old cuisines and like old ideas. Uh, again, give you an example of like fried calamari, you know, how come we just can't stuff the calamari and serve some breadcrumbs over the top of it? Very Italian, nice little spicy tomato sauce, which already comes with a spicy, um, with a fried calamari. So kind of taking like a spin off on something like that where people have like a little nostalgia behind it and definitely reminds them of something they have eaten in the past, but can't quite put their finger on it. Yeah, give me give me one more example of a dish you recently added to the menu that you're really excited about. Uh, that pork collar. I want to say the pork collar. Okay. Uh, it's a braised pork collar with um, a bean salad. Uh, the bean salad consists of um, field peas, speckled peas. You make a little gastrique out of it. So it's kind of like a take on uh, pork and beans, actually. Okay. Because uh, the sauce that we put over top is a nice, a thick and sweet, savory gastrique. It has a little so sweet and sour notes behind it, but definitely reminds you of pork and beans as you're eating it, I think. All right. So does the idea come from you saying to Ryan, I want to put my spin on pork and beans? Or does Ryan say, hey, we need a new pork dish, figure something like, like what's the creative process like? Uh, creative processes, what's seasonal, what's local? So you know, beans are in season. Beans are in season. We're going to want to utilize the beans. Um, huge on pork. I love pork. Why not? Right. Right. Just kind of putting those southern tastes to little things like that as well. It's always nice. I love that we both went for the pork collar. We we're both just like, yeah, that's it, right there. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. I mean, I 
Well, and I think, I mean, every time I go to Cultivari, it's like, I got to get a salad. Oh. I mean, it's the only, Sorry. it's the only restaurant in town where I just feel like the vegetable dishes are stellar. Man. Are, they're so good. And they're, but they're just like, they're must order. Yep. Like I, every time. I, I totally agree. And I think that's something that Hector doesn't take enough credit for as well. Like we have all these salads that, you know, all these dishes that people want to see come back. Our carrots, uh, our, you know, our roasted carrots dish, our strawberry salad dish, our broccoli salad Butternut dish. squash salad. Butternut squash salad. But Hector's been amazing about taking the slot for that item that people want. And then he's made completely different like items this year. And they still pay homage to what people expect. But then they're totally Hector's dishes. And God, you're so talented, chef. You're so <laughs> God, you're so good. Um, yeah, I mean, Hector, uh, what's the feedback been like from guests since you took over? I mean, you know, people, you know, they know Ryan. They like to see him there. You know, that's a that's an important part of going to to Cultivare. I know it is for me. I mean, what what's the feedback been like? Uh, people have been actually very welcoming. Um, definitely lots of feedbacks on the dishes. Um, but knowing that, the guests coming in know they're in good hands with me, I think. And uh, I think that Ryan would have put me in this position if he didn't trust that I would be doing just as good of a job. Yeah. Are you, uh, is he pushing you to like get up front a little bit and touch tables and that kind of stuff? That's me. That's me. <laughs> I will pull him out onto the floor and be like, hey, come on. You need to meet these people. You need to meet these regulars. And he does it so lovingly. He's so supportive. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you enjoy that or are you still getting used to it? Uh, I do enjoy that because it definitely gives me a little bit of perspective of uh, Houstonians. Um, again, being still pretty green and new to the city, I love to uh, be welcome and has that real southern and like hospitality to Houston, which I did not expect at all. It really has been awesome. Leonora, are you like... Dragging him out to Chinatown and stuff, like making sure he, uh, he learns his way around the city. Yeah, we've uh, we've been on a couple little adventures. It's been fun. We've done some some bars. We did a play one night. It was uh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It was really good. <laughs> um, what's the uh, Hector? What's the best? What do you have a favorite Houston restaurant when you're not working? Like, where have you have you been anywhere that um, you really enjoy? I gotta tell you, I find myself at least going once a week to uh, Who's Cooking actually. Okay. I think that what they do down there is, is awesome. I mean, it has all the flavors that I'm looking for, that Sashron cooking. It's over the top. You know, it's funny. I, I've heard such good things about that place, and it's like a blind spot. I still haven't. Every time every yeah, time I, too. like, try to round up a group of people, they're like, they're like, oh, no, we want to go in a group. And it's like, well, I, 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 it's hard to coordinate with yeah. six people. Like, what do you want <laughs> from me? Like, let's just go. <laughs> but like this, I have. I've been there so often, and I order so much food. The kitchen just sends me extra stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I go there so often That's and get good. so much food there. Like, who is this guy? And it's just like me and some somebody else. It's like 12 plates. Nice. Just like, yeah. All right, so you've, you've bounced around quite a bit in your career. I mean, do you you feel like you found a home in Houston, or are you you kind of like thinking no, maybe I, it's time to get I, going I got to tell you, this is a, a great metropolitan city, which I kind of miss – being from that New York mentality, that New York lifestyle, that go, go, go. I, I definitely find that here in Houston. Where in New Orleans, I didn't get very much of that. Other than um, the festivities that they have down there, always great. <laughs> yeah, hard to be. We we can't touch Mardi Gras, I'm afraid. 
It's that season, right? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely has a little bit of that New York and South Florida mentality, which I definitely embrace. Um, Leonora, let me just ask you a little bit about, I mean, I know you kind of oversee the wine program, but, you know, Morgan Weber kind of created that bar program for the restaurant and I'm sure he keeps a, a pretty close eye on it. Like how much of that, how much of that is your responsibility or, you know, how do you balance like, cause I mean, you could basically just serve me an Ava Crowder like every time I walk in <laughs> every there single time, yeah. forever and I would be <laughs> fine. But, but it does seem, but you know, the bar program is a big part of that experience too. I mean, and we have a really cool bar, bar um, menu at the moment, like our cocktail menu, how it's set up. We have um, a, a section of the menu that will almost never change. And those are those classics that Morgan kind of created the Ava Crowder, the gin and tonic, our old fashioned John Williams fixed Manhattan. But then the top port of uh, top portion of the menu is our seasonal contributions. And that's where we can really take the staff, our bartenders, you know, my bar manager, Christian, um, we can take that, go out into the garden and say, Hey, I want to do something with, you know, the Texas marigold that's growing right now, or the spring peas that's going or the artichokes or whatever it is out there and make a drink from that. And it's kind of cool to have so much R and D, in the building not just for food because we do it with cocktails as well and you know i have my bartenders they say hey i want to put a seasonal pimps cup on saying sure find your ingredients put it in front of me let's taste it and then when morgan comes in i put it in front of them and we talk about it it goes on the menu it's 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 really awesome because it's so collaborative cool all right and then you know i mean i have to ask you about next door yeah what's going on to the bike shop uh things and stuff stuff and things stuff and things it's going to be great. Do we have a do we have a timeline? Uh, that's all Ryan and Morgan. Yeah, man. <laughs> I got Coltivari though. I mean, come see me over there. It's good. I'm happy to see you. I, I was in. <laughs> I've been in. I've been in the last month, which by my standards is is pretty recently. And I missed you, and I was so upset. <laughs> I it was like a Thursday. I don't know. Okay. I you know I even came during. I didn't try to like sneak in on a Sunday night or anything. I came. I came on a normal night. I'm on a normal night. <laughs> I caught. I caught uh, Sarah Crowell on one of her last. Uh, Last few days before she moved on to her new Sarah, opportunity. Miss her. She sent me a uh, Valentine's Day card, and it was a Valentina bottle saying "My Valentina," and I laughed for days. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hector, I mean, what are what are some from a food perspective? Like, you know, we're moving into spring. You know, it'll be summer. Like, what are what are some of the things you're kind of thinking about that you want to see on the menu? I want to say uh, keep keeping it <laughs> keeping it light. You know, keep it uh, spring. <laughs> well, like, are there a couple of ingredients that come into season that you're really excited about? Oh, for sure. Uh, I want to say the peas are one of my favorite things yes. in the world. I find 3,600 ways to cook a pea. It's very oddly <laughs> specific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think I'm going to put myself to the test and see how much I can really keep it light and refreshing right just don't just don't change the black pepper spaghetti right that's the one thing can you imagine like could you imagine what would happen (laughs) oh i would get there would would be there would be i think there would be protests there would be there would be so many angry like facebook messages and yelp reviews (laughs) people would be so mad it's never going away it's delicious and perfect it it is it is i mean and then i go eat i go eat cacio e pepe at other places and it's like this is fine, but it doesn't have as much black pepper as the cultivari version, and so is therefore not it. Like I've been ruined for anyone else's cacio e pepe by that dish. Yep. It's, it's fine. It's good. 
<laughs> that means you have to come see us more often yeah, now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, as much as I, as much as I can, I do. I'll, you know, I'll put it to you like I that. I have the recipe and I can make it at home and it's still just not the same. And I don't understand. Well, this is like, it's like you could be a really good singer and you can know all the, like the notes and the lyrics, but like, it doesn't make you, well, my, my line is always that it doesn't make you Bono because <laughs> I'm old and my references are dated. But feel free to sub that in for a more contemporary singer. <laughs> Bono. Oof. Yeah. All right. You've been you've been very kind to humor me. Let me let me wrap this up with the lightning round. Uh five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Leonora, let me start with you. Let's do it. What is your favorite cookbook? Uh, I've been really into Galena lately. All right. Hector Suarez, what about you? What is your favorite cookbook? Uh I wanna say Heat. Who who wrote that? Um can't remember the top of my head right now, but it was a journalist that came in. And he starred for six months at uh, Bobble. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, just kind of, if this have to do anything with cooking, actually, it's just uh, the day in, the day out of a of a line cook, really. All right, Hector. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? I've never been to a concert. <laughs> oh no! All right, okay, Leonora. That's, that's, our that's next one. You're taking him to the rodeo. Yeah, oh, uh, Leonora. How about you? Uh, Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Shush. It might be tattooed on my back. Um All right, Hector, what is your what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru. Ooh. I wanna say it's not a it's not in Houston. It's That's called, okay. It's called uh Raleigh's actually. Or it's, okay. it's I wanna say it's checkers. It's oh the yes, same thing. yes, okay, absolutely. Okay, okay. Leonora, how about you? Um God damn it, man. I think I'm going to have to go with Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's so good. It's, yeah, I understand. It's so good. All right, Leonora, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oof. I'm going to say at the moment, Colin McHugh. All right. There's a whole story behind it if you uh, really want it. I assume he was a regular at Cultivari. He was, and he loves gardening, and they do so much stuff with gardening and charitable events, and they're just the most precious couple in the entire world. <laughs> Hector, how about you? Do you have a favorite Houston athlete? Hmm. I want to say J.J. Watts. Oh, J.J. Watt is a solid Larry. answer. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, Hector, when, you, when you're going to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? We'll have, have to have the pepperoni. I, I kind of say I have to judge a, a pizza by pepperoni at times. I agree with you. Leonor, how about you? I'm going to do prosciutto and arugula because if they're not good. Mm. Very ingredient driven. Very mm. cultivare appropriate. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ryan Paris taught me well. All right. Give us the um, give us the website and the social media and all that for cultivare. Uh, you can find cultivare at, um, the, on the Agricole website. And you can follow us on cultivare HTX on Instagram. And then our cultivare pizza and garden on Facebook. Very good. Well, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. It was right. fun. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.